Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for June 24th, 2018. I'm your host, Dave McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Welcome back, David, and greetings from Atlanta. Good to be back. Welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. Yes, uh, thanks for y'all and Wendy Davis for filling in for me. Um, enjoyed my week in Chicago. Always good to get a new state, see a new part of the country, and get a different perspective. Um, a lot of times I'll watch some TV from that area. Not so much this time. We were too busy, but um, you kind of get a different feel of what's going on. Um, so maybe I can bring some perspective to the show later on. But one thing I will say, even though I was on vacation, not watching a lot of TV, not looking at as much Internet, um, but with phones now, you can't get away from it. Uh, it was different this week. Usually through Donald Trump's campaign and presidency, it's usually a myriad scattershot of outrage, you know, disbelief, crazy, extreme. But this week, almost, not quite, but almost was all focused on one major thing, and that was immigration. Um, I've said in the past, you know, I've just wondered why these Republican candidates have, um, in the local level, have focused so much on immigration since it hadn't been so much an issue in the news. Well, Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions made sure that it was in the news this week, and it wasn't just, you know, following typical immigration-type policy. They took it to a new extreme by using children no matter what age or what disability, is a political pawns and their game. Um, Catherine, I'm sure you saw much more of the news than I did. Uh, what were some of your thoughts? Uh, it's just outrageous and sad and heartbreaking to hear the kids and to see the parents and the children. And um, it's like a reckoning to me. Like, I don't understand how you know, some of the responses from the, you know, hard right. I don't understand how you can be in favor of splitting up children as young as, you know, eight months I heard about one today from their families. I I just don't, it's really hard for me to imagine um, thinking that's in any way an effective or um, meaningful use of your government power and um I, it was you know i'm glad some of them are getting shouted out of places and um you know we need to shun them this is this is not what our country is about um separating families it's just it's shocking yeah um i and i got to thinking what are some uh like ways that people get handled as families and situations. And I thought 
to me, they're crossing the border. They get caught, you know, probably I'm thinking close to the border. It's not necessarily, it's sometimes cases it may be in the country, but you know, you have, you know, hurricanes and natural disasters um, and you have families and you house the family all together. Um, that was, there was another instance I thought, you know, in that case, you also, you are, are homelessness. If someone goes to a homeless shelter, they house the family all together. So we have situations which are similar enough that you could see ways in which you'd, uh, you know, house the family all together um, if you, you know, feel you need to house the family in some ma- manner. But of course, they're treating it as such a criminal case with the parents that they are forcing the issue in this way. Um, Tim, what are some of your thoughts? Well, you know, people need to understand this is not an infestation, as our president uh, put it, of illegal immigrants. This is a refugee crisis. That's what this is. I mean, 10, 10, 15 years ago, most of the people that came across the southern border, were they came from Mexico, and they were looking for jobs and stuff like that. These are refugees seeking asylum whose lives, in most cases, are literally in danger because, you know, if they don't leave places like Honduras and places like that, they... They're gonna they're gonna be killed, and their families are gonna be killed. So they're picking their families up, and they're coming north. That's what's going on. They are not illegal immigrants. Uh, it was not a good week for Donald Trump. You know, we talked about this last week, Catherine. And we were pretty outraged at the time, and Trump has uh, had to backtrack a little bit since then, and. Uh, and I think he's been scrambling to get back on the offensive on this issue. If y'all notice, he's been out on the road doing these little rallies, and he's trying to turn this immigration debate into a prime political issue for the midterms, and he's trying to convince his base and others that it will be a winning issue and that we won't have a blue wave, but we'll have a red wave. Uh, how does that grab y'all? Going to be a red wave this year? <laughs> I, don't so. I don't think it's going to be a red wave by any means, but I don't think it would have to be a red wave given the map. They just kind of have to – it's kind of like the World Cup's going on. It has to be a draw. You know, if it's a draw, they win because <laughs> they're in power. Um, yeah. So – that's how I see that as far as because they don't need as much inertia. Um, but one thing I did notice this this past week was you had kind of a divide between a lot of Republicans that we consider, you know, I guess Republican statesmen, if you will, can head conservative news media crowd, mainly on Fox. Um, you had Laura Bush. You had, you know, Paul Ryan, Orrin Hatch. Lindsey Graham, all speak out against the president, uh, Laura Bush, by far the most forcefully. I almost thought the first lady, uh, Melania Trump, spoke out. Then I reread what she said. And it was kind of like, I hate to see this happening. Sometimes you say, I hate to see this happening, but, and so it really wasn't the same level of by any means as Laura Bush. But then you had all the crowd on Fox News just defending anything Trump did, yet his former campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski. You had uh, Mike Huckabee with that awful Twitter picture 
um, you know, where it had the the true uh, street gang, and it said Nancy oh, Pelosi's yeah. um, campaign committee or something that it like. Um, but I noticed that divide. Um, Catherine, did you notice the divide? And and what do you make of that? Why did some of the states people, if you will, why were they different than the the Fox News crowd? Oh, because I think they're they're looking at wh- how this what this says about America, ab- about you know our values. You know these are these are the family values guys, and uh, this is no no uh, representation of family values. And I, I think some of them are, you know, they're just fed up. And this was maybe the last straw for some of them. We'll see what happens. So, I mean, they can squawk all they want, but who are they going to vote for? Yeah. Well, and we know Laura Bush, I I think, is pretty much on record. She did not vote for uh, Donald Trump, and the the rumors are she actually voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, So she's kind of been off the – she was kind of never Trumper a long time ago, even though she's not really the most outspoken political person. Uh, Tim, I did notice that uh, Orrin Hatch and Paul Ryan both are retiring. Uh, Jeff Flake, I think, has come out pretty strongly as well. He even came out on the tariffs issue as well. Yeah, but um, he's but retiring, too. Yeah, t- t- yeah, Tim, is, is that part of it? Yeah, uh, of course it's part of it. They don't have anything to lose anymore, and they can say what they think. Uh, others are a little bit more measured about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Satford losing his primary speech Quite a few of them that might have been thinking about getting brave and saying something. Um, I think uh, of of all things, I think a guy like Ted Cruz, uh, who is actually working on an immigration bill, uh, uh, a limited one, with Dianne Feinstein. Now, let's wrap our head for a minute. Um, he, He is a little bit different he's also in texas he's also hispanic um all of that will blend in with it so he might actually be a little bit braver on this issue than some of his uh more conservative colleagues in the house let's say um but but i still think trump is going to try to make this a political issue um I, I I wish he 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 wouldn't just keep mouthing about it though. This is this is uh this this is getting really raw for some people, isn't it? Uh, now you you know we've got demonstrators now down at the border and their numbers are growing. I'm sure y'all saw them on television. Yeah. Um, you, you know, Catherine, you and I frequent the social media and look around at it, and we can see some of the rhetoric ramping up there um the the, the, it's going to be a a tough summer on this one guys uh uh, and and you know you didn't mention how how about kirsten uh, nielsen's press conference oh my goodness god uh it, it was it was just a disaster and of all things where does she pick to go eat (laughs) <laughs> a Mexican restaurant. That's like hanging a sign on you that says "Kick me," and 
Well, she she got kicked. She got heckled so bad she had to get up and, and, and leave. And there's one more thing I want to mention, too. Uh, well, two, actually. This zero-tolerance policy is still very much in effect. Not a whole lot changed. Trump just backed down on separating families. Now he's going to put families together and throw them all in jail together. Right. Uh, and, and, and this Stephen Miller, uh, David, don't you think he's behind a lot of this? He's kind of the, you know, the thought center since Steve Bannon left. And so I think Stephen Miller yeah. will think that that's a lot of sway. Um, I did hear also that uh, Steve Bannon said he's very proud of the president. You know, he got pushed aside, but it seems like uh, his concepts didn't get pushed aside. Uh, one thing, you were talking about, you know, protesters at the border, something that kind of that, that's related to that in a way is I saw a, a report either on, I think it was online, that Bill Nelson, senator from Florida, and a Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, went to one of these detention facilities in Florida, which I know that their immigration and their Latino population is usually different because it's more uh, Puerto Rican-Cuban, but they went to their state, and they're elected state fi- officials. They're um, you know, part of the leadership of the state of Florida. They were denied entry to go in, and there were other states where um, congresspeople and other leaders, I guess senators, tried to go in, and they weren't. If they're Democratic, maybe Republicans just didn't go, um, but they were denied access to see it. And you're sitting there going, if you won't let a senator or a congresswoman in, what are you hiding? Um, yeah. That's, to me, a pretty scary thing in which representative leaders you know, can't go into these places. Catherine, did you see reports like that, and, and what were your thoughts? I saw those reports, and I thought the same thing. What are they hiding, and uh, who do they think they are that they can do that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think it was just Democrats. I think it was anybody. Seemed to yeah, no one can hearing about a Republican that tried to. Did any governors try to go in that you know of? Because I know that's a little – that's the executive of that state. Now, I know that would be a federal system, but did any governors try to go in, I wonder? Tim or Kathy, did y'all know. hear about governors? Uh, I, 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 know. I did hear about a group of big city mayors, the mayor of Los Angeles among them, that tried to go in one, I think, down in Texas. And they – they kind of showed up at the gate. Here we are, let us in. They wouldn't let them in. I do not know about governors. I don't know about governors, so I don't know about that. I don't see how, if they're the executive of the state, I, I think they'd have a tough time keeping them out, even though it's federal installation is still is still there in the state. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I would, you know, Jerry Brown and... Uh, California, that and that's the trickiest to where some of these states are. I heard Phil Murphy, governor of New Jersey, he made all these pronouncements. It's like I have a feeling New Jersey's not the same effect as a Texas or an Arizona or New Mexico um, would be. Well, we have a detention um, but, but center be, here in Georgia. Probably theoretically one in every state, um, but but the ones that are being used more probably the ones right along that border because these are folks that are just you know coming straight up through central america into 
through Mexico, um, you know, yeah, trying to them. seek asylum, moving them deeper in the country, them. which, yeah, which is so strange. If you're thinking, oh, well, you just don't want these people in, wouldn't you just take them right back to the border, dump them on the other side, and just be like, I don't want you? I mean, if you were truly, um, that, you know, if you're, you're, you had a zero tolerance policy, we don't want any immigration, or we don't want this type of immigration, or what have you, wouldn't you just take them back? And just drop them over the border instead of housing them and providing, you know, meals or whatever they have to provide. Um, you know, wouldn't you want to save the expense if you looked well, but, at it in this manner? Well, but there a lot of them are, aren't aren't from Mexico, so what, no, are no, we going to fly no. them back to Guatemala or to? I mean, yeah, that's that, where it but, starts but to you, get complicated. Oh, oh, I know, and I, I'm talking about if you look at it the, the narrow way that Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump look at it, like, well, you cross through that door, that's where I'm taking you back. I don't care how you came in. You probably came in across the Mexican border. We're putting you back. You know you know what I'm saying? Just a very, um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the lead path of least resistance is what you figure they would do. That, that's I mean, I know they may have gone further along and what have you. Um but, of course, well, I mean, this well, is a problem that if you went up river, you could find a real solution. It's probably super complex and not cheap, but if you actually wanted to, well, you could spend some of that $25 billion you want for the wall to actually, you know, well, try to work I on know the problem. What I'd I know it's spend it on. I'd, I'd, I'd spend it on uh, adding some people to the system. There's not enough judges. They, the... Some of these cases, uh, even for asylum seekers, take as long as a year to process or longer. Uh, why can't they put the money there and get the system flowing? They don't want the system to flow. Trump, right, exactly. I believe Trump wants yeah. chaos. I believe he's more likely to do things like this uh, as the summer goes on, in order to gin up his base. Now, I really believe he'll do this. Uh, I think that yeah. the, the the pictures and all and the videos on TV threw him back on his heels a little bit. He wasn't expecting the blowback from this. And Republican leaders in Congress got, you know, antsy about it. And they actually went over to the White House to see him to tell him, you know, you got to do something about this. So he backed down on that one thing. But I still think this zero-tolerance policy is going to be in effect. I still think they're going to talk about, well, we got to follow the law, and uh, it's the Democrats' fault, and our hands are tied. All the things they've already said that didn't work, he's just going to double down on them. That's his history. So this is going to keep up. This is not going to go away. And I think he believes in his heart of hearts that he is going to actually prevail on this issue uh, because Donald Trump, one thing he's very afraid of is looking weak. He thinks he looks strong if he does this. So this is what he's going to do. Yeah, but then what's the old proverb? You never look as strong as when you bend a knee to help a child, you know, or bend down to help someone. You know, that he doesn't understand that version. He's got to get. And there's the more than one version of children. strength. 
He's got to get yeah. the subject off the children, and it's got to become illegal immigrants again and an infestation. And, you know, they're overrunning our country. They're just pouring in by the millions, you know, that sort of thing. That's they're taking your job. They're robbing you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and, and, you know, and there is a is, – is, Immigration, if you look at it, then there's a lot of countries in the West, really a lot more European countries in Japan more so than ours, that are going to need to bring in immigrants from whatever country to fill the jobs that are needed. You know, there's a much longer discussion about um, who wants to take jobs that we have because the you know the belief is there are jobs that we that go unfilled because no natural you know native born citizens want to take those jobs. Um, and those that kind of analysis needs to be done, but that's complex. It doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. Uh, you know, it probably takes a little bit of reading, um, things that, you know, Donald Trump's probably allergic to. Uh, speaking of reading, I'm not even sure he could make it all the way through, but uh, the first lady went down to visit the children. Now, one thing, we hadn't seen her in forever. The, the, there was the tweet, but I, that didn't come with an appearance. Um, or actually, it was I think some. It wasn't a tweet. It was something through her spokeswoman that said that uh, she hated to see this. Then she actually made one of the first public appearances in weeks. I believe she may have been photographed when the um, officials from Spain came. Uh, but she goes down there and she wears this jacket. I really don't care. Do you? Um, I really didn't know that people over 25 wore jackets with sayings on them. I, I kind of thought you grew out of that, that the lucky thing that somebody 40 years old would wear, I would thought. But um, this jacket, uh, Catherine, what in the world was she thinking? What, what was behind all this? I, 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 I was mystified. <laughs> it was from this store called Zara, Zara, which I'm sure she never shot that. It's like a young person's shop. You know, it's not high end. And um, it was just, I just, I heard um, some former Obama staffers talking about it. And they said, if First Lady Michelle Obama had even thought about wearing a jacket like that, she would have been, like, all her entire staff would have jumped her and made sure she didn't go out in public in it. It's just amazing that anybody would let her out of the white house in that when she's going i mean under any circumstances but especially when she's going to allegedly you know provide comfort children it was like it was like something out of saturday night live i think i mean i I don't know what she was thinking or if she was thinking at all I, i i don't know i have i have no explanation for it yeah, Tim. The word that they they or the defense that they use later at the Talking Heads on, you know, Fox News and other places. She didn't wear it to see the kids. She only wore it on the plane and off the plane, like that was any kind of defense. Because as you're traveling, that's a whole part of what this is. It's the statement you're making by actually going to see um, someone. Because it's not like your magical presence is going to make things better um, or either you're learning more my, about the situation favorite, to bring back. My favorite line Catherine? was when someone said, 
well, there's no secret message. Well, no, duh, it wasn't secret. It was right there out in front. Like, yeah, there was no secret message. <laughs> They're just. Yeah, I mean, it just even if she would have had, you know, something that they used to wear on the Wham! T-shirts back in the 1980s, uh, George Michael and his partner video uh, shoot, some, some throwaway message. But this actually seemed somewhat politically pertinent, Tim. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I honestly, I really do honestly think she she didn't even think about what she's wearing. I'm with Catherine on one thing. How could the East Wing staff let her out the door yeah. with that on? I, I, I am thinking somebody on Air Force One probably said, hey, you need to get that jacket off before you go to that shelter. Uh, don't worry, it's there. Now, I think somebody did that there. When they got back to the White House, I think her and her staff were were settled on saying she just made a mistake. She wasn't thinking. Trump, I believe, nicks that. So here he comes out mouthing about, no, nah, it wasn't no mistake. She just tired of the fake news media and the blah, 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 blah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, which, which is like pouring gasoline on a fire. It, it was... Uh, it was another very unfortunate thing by a White House that I, I feel is, is in chaos because of lack of quality people uh, to even fill the positions there anymore. Well, it kind of goes back to something we've said more than once about Donald Trump. Now, everyone's afraid to tell him no or rethink this or – they, I mean, I guess they can't tell him no exactly, but they can give the differing view. Like, if you do this, this can be the repercussions. No one's willing to do that with Donald Trump, and I guess that just carries over. No one's willing to do that with Melania Trump. Um, I get the sense you know, that no one really knows her because she seems you know, um, just very distant uh, is, is the impression yeah. that I get. Him, you know, the uh, – I, I, I hate to invoke the name of Hitler here, but Hitler got to a point with all of the early successes that he was having, he got to a point that you didn't argue with him anymore because he was right about everything, and that was that, and he didn't want to hear anything else. Uh, I believe at least Donald Trump has that in common with him uh and with a lot of others strong well i'm gonna call them strong men even though i don't think trump's a strong man but strong men types that that run governments i really think trump has got it in his head look i'm on a lifelong winning streak here i've never been wrong about anything my instincts are great you all laughed at me well, I showed you I won. I'm the president. Uh, I don't want to be questioned because my instincts are right, and if you listen to me, everything's going to be fine, and that is that. And that's what he wants, and he wants people around him that support that sort of thing. He does not want people around him that argue with him or give him alternative thoughts or any of that. He wants people to support exactly what he wants to do, and that's just going to be that while Donald Trump is president. Yes, and, and that's him 
but the Melania Trump, uh, you don't, I don't, I don't get the sense. And once yep. again, it's the sense because I don't feel like I know anything about her. I think I could read, you know, a three-page Wikipedia entry on James Garfield's wife, and I'd know more about Melania Trump, even though I'm living while she's uh, first lady. And but because she doesn't really let anybody in, she had the speech where mm-hmm. she debuted. And she basically gave Michelle Obama's speech. She's released something mm-hmm. called Be Best, but I, I, I get the sense she didn't say much publicly about it. She did a disappearing act, and now she's worn this jacket. Um, to me, this is going to be one of the weaknesses um, of you know Donald Trump's reelection or the midterms in a lot of ways, because a lot of times the first lady, if you're not necessarily likable, the spouse – because hopefully one day it'll be the first man. Um, you know, maybe men can break down that barrier like Bill Clinton tried to. I'm being tongue in cheek here. Um, and that, uh, you know, you can be the more likable part of the team if the office holder is not. But with Melania Trump, she just either doesn't want to let anybody in, doesn't know how to let anybody in. There's just something amiss about her personality, at least the way it's been conveyed to the American public. Um, Catherine, do you see that as a, a, an issue? Um, well, I think she's a bit of a cipher. You know, she's we don't really know very much about her. She doesn't really do a lot of interviews or talk to the press. I don't think she really lady in her um, – in her li- on her list of things she wanted to be, um, you know, I think we thought we saw that at the beginning when she was like, "I'm staying in New York. I'm not moving to the White House." You know, all that, and then that changed a little bit. But the other thing is, I, I don't know how good her English is. I don't know how good a spe- public speaker she is, and um, you know, is she uh, sort of uh, apprehensive about being in public. Um, who knows what kind of um, dynamic there is between the two of them and what she might say. Like, is he going to go after her if she says something like how sorry she feels about the, you know, children separated from their families. I don't know. I I tend to, give her a break for some reason. I don't know why, but just, I mean, she did marry him. Um, but yeah, cause I feel like, I feel like she sort of, um, fell into this situation and wasn't really prepared for it. And I don't think there's, because of the way that, um, Trump seemed to be, I don't get the feeling that she can go to anyone and say, I really want to do something can you? I don't think she can really reach out for help from anyone. I mean, there, I'm sure there's a hundred people around her that will, you know, fetch her code and, um, you know, feed her things to say, confidant who you can sort of talk to and try to work through, you know, what your first lady role is going to be. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't get the. I feel like she's very alone. I guess. I, I mean, I well. Yeah, she's got to break out of that. Um, you know, this is 2018. Um, you know, this is in the days where the, the husband mm. should be choosing the wife's friends or what have you. 
she's got to push out of that in some way. Um, you know, she's well, we got to find who what... she turned to. And, it, and she's going to have a legacy whether she likes it or not. Uh, Michelle Obama didn't want to be first lady. Uh, I mean, you can find out about that. She let Barack Obama in many ways run for president. The family had to get a dog, uh, and he had to quit smoking. I mean, there were deals made. She had no interest in moving to Washington and be first lady. But when she became first lady, she embraced that role, left a legacy. Um, and I think it would behoove Melania Trump for in the next two years, two and a half years, you know, because I don't think it'll be six and a half years. I hope and pray. Um, but, you know, she, she better do something. And, and this, uh, I don't care to you. I really don't care to you. Um, this is one of the three biggest things of her you know, first ladydom. I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you that it's going to make a difference sure. politically. Look at this woman's biography. She's born in Slovenia. Her father was a communist. She was a fashion model. She did nude photos spreads with 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 women and, and, and everything else. She moves to New York. She goes to going with Trump while he's still with his second wife. I mean, what is if if Michelle Obama had done any one of those things, her detractors would have been ready to burn the White House down. And we all know that. It's part of this stuff that nothing will shake Trump's base. That 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 forty some odd percent that's right with him, they're gonna stay with him. They they don't care yeah. about her. They they she ain't gonna affect that either way, and she's not gonna change anything because she's basically who she is, just like Trump is who she is. She just strikes me as somebody that doesn't have a clue, doesn't want to have a clue. She'll look good in front of the cameras because she's a fashion model, but uh, that that's basically going to be about it for her. What? And it's Tim, not going to affect the vote in 2020. It's not going to affect the vote I, in 2020. I, if I, I if, why didn't it affect the vote in 2016? I, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I agree with you about, you know, your impressions of her. Impressions I have. Impressions a lot of people have of her. But that goes back to Donald Trump. You know, George W. Bush, he, he found, fell in love with, married a lady that could run an elementary school library. I mean, I mean, and that's what I mean. It's, a, you know, a person that can run a library has skills. Um, you know, Bill Clinton married Hillary Clinton, who, you know, most quali- one of the most qualified people ever to run for president. Um, two former presidents said so. They said that she was more qualified. Um, we can keep going down the list of all these people that um, presidents married that really added to their um, base because and – I, and I don't mean base like your political base. I mean when you go, uh, go to the East Wing at night and put your head on the pillow, you're going to discuss a lot of things with your spouse, and they're going to be somebody that can mm-hmm. help you. I don't get any idea that, one, Donald Trump wants any help from her, or, B, that she's in much of a position to give it um, because she just doesn't – even if she's from another country, she doesn't use, for lack of a better uh, word, she didn't seem very worldly. 
I'm just saying it's not going to matter when it gets time to vote. These people have massive flaws, both he and her, obviously. Character flaws, personal flaws, uh, things in their life that are just, that, that should bury them politically. But their supporters who have just terrorized Democrats for doing a tenth of this stuff, uh, in their personal lives. Now, now look the other way. They're supported by a bunch of hypocrites, and I hope some of them are listening to me tonight because that's exactly what they are. Uh, they're supported by a bunch of hypocrites that are going to support them anyway because it's their guy, you know. So, I, no, I, I don't think she is going to make any difference in in the next presidential election whatsoever. You don't want she to make a difference if she had quit him. That would make a difference. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. no. Yeah. I, and that that could – I mean, you, you were thinking when the, the disappearing act happened that, you know, what's going on here? Who knows? Uh, I mean, if someone could break inside of that, because that's one thing. I don't think Michael Wolf was able to break inside of that part of what was going on as much as he did others. If somebody could psychoanalyze that and figure out what's going on maybe, there, that'd be quite a book. Maybe, um, maybe, they, maybe they've made uh, crazy normal because something crazy oh. happens with this administration every day, and there's just such a pile of it that people are just kind of getting turned off by the whole thing, just looking the other ways if it isn't going on. The darndest thing. I've yeah, ever well, done. I mean, it, it's it's too much to keep up with. I mean, that was what was different about this week. It had one giant topic and then one, um, you know, smaller one later on. Well, let's get into the politics of it. I saw a poll midweek that said seventy percent of voters have a positive view of immigration, the highest on record. Now, immigration. I mean, there's a. It's not just one size fits all. Um, it can be from many different countries, many different ways. But still, that number was quite striking, given what was going on. Uh, Catherine, did you see that number? And the, how do you think that affects the political dynamic? If immigration is uh, maybe more popular, less unpopular, however you want to say it. I would like to see those numbers. People have a, a positive view of immigration. Seventy like, percent. It was in a poll. I believe I t- texted it to y'all during the yeah, week. I think you did. I didn't look at it. Um, yeah. I I can't um, fathom what that would mean. I just don't understand how that how I don't. I, it just seems odd considering yeah. the circ. I mean, it, even those those of us who are in favor of, you know, uh, treating people with respect and providing some path to citizenship and not separating families and not treating everyone like a criminal and all that. We don't have a positive view of the, of immigration. And then the people who, you know, are like, you know, build the wall, you know, lock them up, blah, blah. They must not have a positive view of immigration. So, who is this seventy percent? You know what I mean? It just seems like an odd. I'd be interested to see what the questions were. Anyway, 
Um, I yeah, wording. I, um, I I guess I would say, I think how this affects. Or you're asking how this affects the ele- upcoming elections. I think a lot is going to depend on how, how we're moving forward. What happens in the next, you know, six weeks and eight weeks? You know, do those families get reunited and the, and and sent back? to wherever they came from or do are they reunited and then put in some kind of family detention centers which is what they did during the Obama administration some of them um or you know how how it all turns out what kind of you know there's demonstration schedule or protests and marches scheduled for next Saturday how does that you know what does that look like do thousands and thousands of people come out and what's the response to that you know I think there's a lot it's it's hard to say what what would happen now because we're still in the middle of it. Yeah, uh, Tim, um, what do you think the political implications are? And I know you found a poll that was worded different and found somewhat mm-hmm. a different result. Yes, I did. Of course, that was Rasmussen, and we we talked about yes. uh, Scott Rasmussen before and how his poll seemed to be a little a kilter. From or off kilter rather from 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 others and and his poll found that most people um, the choices he gave were not Trump and the parents are, are Trump and the immigrants are Trump and the asylum seekers he made the choice between the parents of the kids and the government who was more at fault for the kids being uh, taken away. And uh, his poll uh, showed uh, that slightly that people blame the parents. Um, but I, I think I'm with you on, on one thing. The wording of that poll probably uh, was a little odd. And I do not believe that 70% of the people in this country are, 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 are you know, for for immigration. I, I do not believe that. I believe, uh, you know, I might go with 60, but I believe there is a solid 40% that is right down the line with Donald Trump on this thing. I work with these people every day, and boy, that's, that's a, they, they're walking around with their chest out, all happy. This, this is right up there, Allie. I really it's a sad commentary to say that. I, mean, I believe there's 40% of our population is just hardcore, hardline on on immigration. They don't want any at all. They're saying, oh, we got enough people here. We don't want any more. La-di-da-di-da. Shut the border down. And here we are. Um, America first. An island of our own. Uh, that's that's just the way things are looking to me, and uh, like I said, it's a sad commentary. Now, what's it going to do politically? Well, will it rev Trump's base up to get out and vote in big numbers, or is it going to have the opposite effect and just make angry Democrats who are out to get Trump even angrier? Is it going to get groups that usually don't show up to vote 
in the midterms, like Hispanics, for instance. Are they going to come flying to the polls in, in record numbers and vote? Because they could really wreak some havoc in a lot of states like Arizona, like Nevada, uh, places like that. It, 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 would re- it would really, you know, help Democrats. Uh, I, it's going to be interesting, as Catherine said, to see how this thing plays out. And I'm interested to see what happens on the 30th with all these protests and how big they are and where they're at and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I, and Scott Rasmussen, Rasmussen reports, I might say, uh, Hilter Skilter, uh, you know, some version <laughs> of my, um, how they're askew. And here's the thing. That poll we saw that was 70% approved, we were like, ah, that sounds a little high. And I thought it was a little high, too. Um, and then this poll that Rasmussen put out, it seems a little wrong, too. So to me, when you have two polls and neither one seem right, poll some more. So maybe some more pollsters will do enough polls, and then you can kind of find the mean, if you will, um, when you get some more results. Um, th- there was uh, something out of those polls – I had uh, thought about, uh, you know, Mitch. Oh, I don't was, you know, talking about do you blame government or not? I mean, we've seen people hold up signs, government, keep your hands off my Medicare. Government, keep your hands off my Obamacare. <laughs> I mean, I've seen both. I mean, so sometimes when you say use government as a toy, uh, there are some people that don't fully understand, um, you know, how things work. You know. My road's not good, but I love that interstate. I wish the government would get their hands off it. I mean, they just don't understand what government <laughs> actually does in our society. Um, well, listen, you know, I said that this was actually, you know, it was almost a one-topic week. But early in the week, I want to say it was Monday, possibly Tuesday, um, Donald Trump, I think, tried to distract from this, although he's – I think he – understands that a lot of his achievements, if you can call them that, are not going to be standing the test of time. You know, just trying to basically take an eraser to the Obama administration is not really a legacy. So he thinks that, man, if he can start Space Force, um, he'll really leave his mark on history. Now, before we talk (laughs) about the merits of Space Force, um, I want to just ask you all a question. We probably figure we could say the Army was started by George Washington. We had a Navy during the American Revolution. So we could once again, if it was a president, since he was the commander of the forces, we'll give Washington the credit for that. Can either of you name the president that started Air Force or Marines? And maybe y'all can. Can either of y'all? I can't. Well, the the it, it was the Army Air Corps during World War II, and it was renamed the U.S. Air Force um, while Harry Truman was president. I can tell you that yeah. right now. Okay. And secondly, we've had Marines as long as we've had a country. I can tell you. Yeah, that the Navy's too. Army. Yeah, the Navy's Army. And third, well, once again. I, and third, yeah. we shouldn't be talking about presidents doing this. You know why? Because only an act of Congress can establish a new uh, wing of the military. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying is no one really gives presidents credit for starting 
you know, branches of the military, if you will. Um, you know, they kind of evolve, if you will, uh, due to necessity or, you know, they couldn't have, in 1700s, they couldn't have pictured air flight and need anything. Something evolved to need it. I don't know the future. Maybe some millennium, centuries, whatever. There may be a need, like we see in these, you know, science fiction movies, for somebody out in space. I don't think it's going to happen in 2022 or any time in the near future. <laughs> Just my gut feeling. So what in the world, Catherine, is Donald Trump doing with Space Force? I don't know. I think it was just like a, like I think we talked before the show. It was just an attempt to deflect attention from uh, the, you know, removing children from their families, separating families. Um, I think it was, a, a you know, an attempt, and it was not very successful, though I will say – we got a lot of laughs about it around our office. We just kept all all that day. I just kept walking up to people and saying Space Force, <laughs> and we would just giggle because it was so ridiculous. Um, it reminded me of that movie Galaxy Quest. I kept thinking of Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver in some kind of crazy costume. But, but um, I don't know what he was thinking. And I think everybody was take like the Pentagon and everybody, they were all taken by surprise. It wasn't like he'd talked to anybody about it. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's set aside the, you know, the logistical need for it, but let's just kind of use like Catherine was saying that the science fiction movie is a frame, whether it's Star Trek, I'm trying to use one where, America is the home base. Uh, I'm not America. The Earth is the home base of, of whatever military force goes well, out in space and fights the aliens. It's always countries banded together. It's never just one country. It's all of Earthlings, all of humans, humanity coming together. Um, and it's such a contrast to everything Donald Trump does. And does he not see that if there were and I, I'm being very generous even postulating this, if there were a more imminent need for a space force, it wouldn't need to be the American space force. It would need to be the world. And we would need to share this oh, financial no, no, no. burden not, and share whatever awards come out of this space force that we're going to attack the or defend ourselves from these creatures that have not been discovered Oh, in is that any way, shape, or form, that we have no Is that what you think it you know, is? Because that's not what I think existence. it is. See, that's what not what I think it is. We're going to attack other countries think, in space? No, I think it's a – it's like – remember um, Reagan had that – was it Reagan? Had Star Wars. Star Wars. I think it's supposed to be a yeah, protection – a protection for America in outer space. I don't know though. Well, that's just what I assumed. I mean, I did not. Yeah, read I mean, but this makes Star Wars look logical. I mean, that's what's so crazy. Now, the, the problem there was it was just so expensive; it wasn't financially yeah. realistic. Was the big problem? Was, I mean, I guess it, in theory, was no, if the nuclear weapon was, goes out in space and you destroy it in space, whatever. Yeah. Well, and there was no evidence but, that it could work. No. It was no. Great. I mean, but I it, mean, it, it was. I mean, it was one of those visions our leaders like to have to inspire us to be 
innovative, like like NASA, like you know. I mean, there's a million of them. Well, maybe not a million, not yeah. enough, obviously. But but I, I well, okay. that it's funny that we had such different impressions of what it would be. What it would be. Well, that's because he doesn't know. We don't know. Um, we just live right. here. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you know, we have to brought up NASA, and that's another good point. You know, early on, you know, NASA started to compete with the Russians, and, and maybe we got something out of the competition with each other. It pushed both countries to innovate faster. But in for decades now, space exploration has been a shared thing. People of all nationalities go on near the Russian space station. People of other nationalities uh, got on the space shuttle when it was still working. We share a lot of the um, things that come out of the space program. I guess we share the expense to a point. But it's, it's humanity working together in space. Um, Tim, does that kind of contrast with this? Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of. Uh, <laughs> look, Trump is an America firster. He wants to, you know, put our military in space, uh, I, I don't know, imperial stormtroopers or whatever his tormented mind is thinking. He's thinking, well, we're going to Mars and stuff like that. We need to send the U.S. military so we can be number one there, too. Uh and it just came out of nowhere, like Catherine mentioned. His staff didn't even know. But you know what? That's his way. This go-it-alone thing, that's why there's so much chaos that surrounds everything this doofus comes up with because he just comes from out of nowhere with it. And he catches his own staff by surprise. He catches the Pentagon by surprise. He catches Congress flat-footed. He catches everybody flat-footed. And like you said, David, he don't know how to do whatever it is he mentions. So we just have chaos as a result. But this really, as goofy as this story was, it really got buried this week, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and maybe that's best because here's the biggest problem with Space Force. If he talks about it, it doesn't cost us any money. But if he starts to put study committees in, and, and really it would be a bunch of make-work jobs, starts diverting resources from any other program, uh, be it if he just cuts the other branches of the real military to pay for it or he starts cutting everything else um, – mm. You know that's going to hurt somewhere for this. Um, it takes act of Congress to create it, though. It takes an act yeah. of Congress to create the thing. Now you're right; he could divert resources to do study committees and this and that and the other, but he couldn't create the force itself. Congress has has to do that well, unless he figures out some end run to get around it. No president ever has so. And hopefully he won't be the first. And and hopefully you know somebody will tell Paul Ryan, you know you're an Ann Rand guy, and you can't you can't uh, drown a space force in the bathtub. It's out in space, so you know you want it small enough to drown it in the Congress bathtub. Congress like ain't our interested. Congress ain't interested in listening to him right now about nonsense like that. They're putting together a budget 
a very draconian one, I might add. And that's what's taking up all their time right now. Yeah. They, they, they and, keep, and of course, they keep having these symbolic immigration votes that are not going to pass and, uh, so they can go campaign on it. But they're really, they're working on the budget. Space Force is not going to be funded. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully not. Well, let's talk about something much more serious and sad. And as we approach into this issue, I, I want to say first and foremost that, you know, Katie Arrington's a person and we hope for her speedy recovery and, and things go as, as bad as well out of this tragedy that they can. But, you know, she did make a lot of political news a few weeks ago, so she's now in the public eye. But Katie Arrington, if you hadn't heard, um, she defeated uh, Mark Sanford, was the odds-on favorite to win that congressional district, uh, probably still is, um, but she had a really bad car accident, one of those kind that you're going to have to really recover from. You would take time off your job. It would completely affect your life and your family's life from everything I've heard. Um, Tim, I think you had, I don't know if you sent me the link or when I sent it to you, you responded back with even more info. Um, kind of what are your thoughts on this or what have you heard? Well, it is really a, a sad situation. Um, she is in the hospital. She's already, she had a major surgery uh, the day after they put her in, and she had another major procedure, I believe, today. She had multiple broken bones, all, all kinds of things. She really got hurt uh, really bad. They're expecting her to be in the hospital for several weeks her campaign has suspended everything and i assume that her opponent i believe the name of covington i i believe that's right uh they 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 seem to be kind of standing down too and everybody is just waiting and seeing what happens uh what i was wondering and what I guess no one has as of yet even dared to talk about uh, what would happen if she could not, for some reason, continue the campaign? What 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 would they do? Do they have provisions where they can pick someone else to run, or um, or, or, or or what would they do? I was wondering the Yeah. You would think that the party could then nominate someone else. That could be very interesting because uh, maybe the party loyal to, loyalists are different than the electorate as a whole, and they might like Mark Sanford, um, which could be very politically dicey if it were to happen. Um, you know, just I, the, the lady won the election fair and square, um, you know, so if she can recover just because. You care about people. I hope she's able to run. Now, if she's able to run and build a campaign and, and Covington defeats her, then so be it. I wouldn't be against that either. But um, it is going to be something interesting to watch. Um, it kind of brings me into another topic, and it's one of those things that's not super political, but I think it will become one day. But I love thinking about it because I see how many people get killed and get injured in car accidents. Um, I know that if you talk about teenagers, it's like the number one killer of teenagers um, is car accidents, or really people under 30. Um, and and that's technology is probably going to take over in the next decade or two 
to where people may not be driving anymore. And we, we know the, the most dangerous part of the car is the person sitting behind the steering wheel. Um, and, and to me, um, that's going to be the, the silver lining to all these car accident injuries, which we unfortunately have to hear about so much. I know in Tim and I's regional papers up here, you usually see about one every week of fatality uh, involving you know two cars. Um, it seems like on a weekly basis on one of the highways around us. And, you know, Atlanta, there's probably so many uh, they don't even make the news because there's just too great a volume. Um, Catherine, uh, what are your thoughts on tragedies like this? Well, I think um, I mean, my my, I'm you know, I think it's terrible for the families for for this you know candidate's family and for all the families when they lose someone in a car accident, especially if it's because of a you know um, distracted driver or a DUI or something. Um, I mean, I have a little. Uh, I mean, when it's weather-related, it's not quite as heartbreaking because you can't really avoid that. But, um, I mean, it's still heartbreaking, don't get me wrong. But um, I don't know that driverless cars are going to make a difference. I don't. I, I think it's going to be a long time before we see, you know, a lot of driverless cars. I think that people are, are very hesitant about it, especially when we've seen – some of the accidents that have happened um, with some of the test cars. I do think we're probably going to see driverless trucks before we see driverless cars. That's just, just been watching. They've been, you know, doing a lot of testing of that in Europe, and it seems to be pretty effective. Um, but I'm always surprised that we don't, um, we aren't more outraged by the number of people who are killed in car accidents and that we don't do more to um, somehow try to control it, whether it's by, you know, having breathalyzers built into cars or um, more safety requirements and um, speed limits and cracking down on speed limits, not just speed limits, but also like in Atlanta, every day I see somebody run a very red, a very, very red light every day. I mean, I see it every day, and I just think I'm glad that I don't jump those intersections. I always look, even once the light's turning green and there's people honking at me, I'm still checking to make sure nobody's flying through the intersection after the light turns red. So I think um, it's going to require, you know, a concerted effort by everyone, and I just don't think people are interested. They're They're in such a hurry to get where they're going and not really concerned about the other drivers that, I just don't think we care enough. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll have more time to talk about it because, like I said, I'm real into it, and I know a lot of the different technologies that are happening, and I think things just explode so much faster uh, these days than we ever thought. Um, you know, in 1980, about uh, less than 1% of the households had a you know computer in them, and by, you know, 19... 99 over half the houses had internet and so things you know move so fast and things are moving behind the scenes even faster um but that's kind of all our show we had a bunch of stuff we didn't even get to 
Um, but I have a feeling a lot of it will keep coming back, unfortunately, because that seems to be the nature of politics in America today. But good to be back with y'all. Good night, y'all. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice.